Good evening, everyone. I'd like to reflect with you a little bit on this important doctrine and teaching of our faith, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary into Heaven, Body and Soul. Today, the whole world, the whole church, universal, the word Catholic means universal, the whole universal church is celebrating this wonderful feast day all over the world. And the church highlights this doctrine and teaching for good reasons. And I'd like to just spend a few moments with you reflecting on this awesome, wonderful blessing which our church gives to us and our Lord has given to us. You might ask, you know, many of us ask, well, the gospel's all about Christ and what he did and taught. Well, yes and no. The gospel is about Christ. You know, the New Testament, right? The gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the New Testament in general, the New Covenant in general, the, the, the teachings of Jesus Christ. So it is, yes, all about Christ. But in the same way, the story of the fall is about Adam. We also got to recognize that the fall also involves Eve. In 1 Corinthians 15.22 we read, For as all died in Adam, so, will, so all will be made alive in Christ. For as all died in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. So sin enters the world through Adam. And that's precisely why we call Christ in the New Testament. You'll read Christ is the new Adam. But as soon as we say that, we become aware of this missing link. As I mentioned, the story of the fall is not only a story of the, the fall of Adam, but it's a story of the fall of Adam and Eve. So if Jesus is the new Adam, then we might ask the question, well, who is the new Eve? This is an important question. Well, we in the church the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, the East and the West, the two lungs of Christianity from which all other Christian denominations have branched at some level or another, we all consider Mary as the new Eve. And Mary, in and of herself, is a perfect model of what it means to be church. What do we do as church? We receive Christ and we give Christ. We receive Christ and we give Christ. You know, we might say Mary's the perfect model of what it means to personally accept Christ into our lives. Because if we really believe and accept Christ into our lives, then we're going to manifest Christ through our actions, through our bodies, through the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, etc. So Mary is a perfect model for every Christian. And so it's for this reason that the church honors and venerates the Blessed Virgin Mary, as she says, all generations will call me blessed. We don't worship her. Worship alone is due to God. But we in the church recognize a significant, unique role which the Blessed Virgin Mary has played in salvation history. So just as the full story of the fall cannot be told without Eve, so the full story of our redemption cannot be told without Mary. We have no Jesus without Mary. The body hanging on the cross which saved us from sin and death was given to the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, by the Blessed Virgin Mary herself. She said yes to God. So, again, God chose to use Mary in this very, very vital role in redemption. So Mary participates in a very unique way in salvation history and in our redemption. So just as we receive a natural life from our, from our mothers on earth, our earthly mothers, we receive divine life through our 
Heavenly Mother. Divine life is grace. Our Heavenly Mother is Mary. All grace comes through Christ. So Mary gives us Christ who gives us grace. So we can say Mary is our mother in the order of grace. She's the mother of him who gives grace. She's the mother of him who died for our sins. So if Jesus honors his mother, we must honor his mother. And because we, the church, again, are the body of Christ on earth, it makes perfect sense that in the order of grace, in the supernatural order, we can consider Mary to be a spiritual mother. You know, Paul, in the epistles, speaks of um, the, the people he ministers the gospel and good news to. He speaks to them as, as uh, children in the faith. He says, Paul, your father in faith. You know, Paul is a spiritual father, just as I as a priest, right? Every priest is a spiritual father. So we look continually at this awesome grand teaching of our church, of our Lord, entrusted to His church and to this generation. So there are many, again, parallels between this old Adam and Eve on the one hand and the new Adam and new Eve, Jesus and Mary on the other hand. And I'd like to just reflect with you a little bit on a few of those parallels. Number one, um, in the old order of the Old Testament, this woman Eve came from the body of the man Adam, okay? Now in the new order, the New Testament, the man Jesus, the new Adam, comes from the body of the woman Mary, okay? So again, the old order, woman comes from the body of man, but in the new order, man comes from, the man, Jesus himself, comes from the body of the woman, Mary. In the old order, the woman Eve first disobeyed God and led the man Adam to do the same. In the new order, it's the woman Mary who says yes to God in Luke one thirty-eight, and raises her son Jesus to do likewise. You know, Jesus learned by watching his mother. Yes, he's the son of God. But it also says in the Bible that Christ grew in age and wisdom, right? In grace. He grew. So, Again, Mary's role here is very important. Remember, Eve turned away from God, was disobedient to God, and turned toward Satan, which introduced death into uh, the life of humanity, which is a tragedy that we suffer to this day. And then we know that, you know, uh, Mary in the New Testament, she turns away from death to life. She receives the word and is obedient to the word, which the first Eve um, turned away from. So Mary's undoing what Eve did. And in doing so, we, she brings life himself back into the world. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is life. Mary returns life to humanity through her yes. Through sin, again, see the great significance and, and role of our Blessed Mother in the order of grace, our Mother um, who said yes, and, and we should all be eternally grateful to her. Um, without her yes, you and I would be in, in, in big trouble. Okay, Adam and Eve, um, if we look at the Old Testament, they had a good time disobeying God. Well, Jesus and Mary suffered doing God's will. So again, they undid what Adam and Eve did. So the sword of sorrow, it says in, in the Bible, in, in Luke uh, 2.35, um, and in John chapter 19.34, it says, the sword of sorrow will pierce their hearts. So Mary's heart and Jesus' heart were both pierced. And we know Mary stood at the foot of the cross with her son, being faithful to him to the end. Another good um, character of a good Christian. 
of, it, of the members of the church to be faithful. So in the old order, Adam and Eve shared immediately in the resulting consequences of punishment of the fall, right? Death, disorder of our desires, darkening of our intellect, a weakening of our wills. We began to experience this mortality. Now in the new order, similarly, both Jesus and Mary shared immediately in the resulting consequences and blessings of our redemption. The fullness of life with God. Jesus, through his ascension, right, he ascended into heaven, body, and soul. And Mary, through her assumption, she's assumed into heaven, body, and soul. So right now, we teach, the church is teaching, um, the doctrine of the assumption teaches that at the end of her earthly existence, the Blessed Virgin Mary was taken up, assumed body and soul into heaven. This means, therefore, that, again, there are two bodies in heaven now. The final resurrection hasn't occurred, but we believe that there is a man's body, Jesus Christ, and a woman's body, the Blessed Virgin Mary, in heaven. Jesus, obviously being the Son of God. Mary, obviously, is a human being, but she's the new Eve. She's a model or a prototype of the church. So you have the new Adam and the new Eve, body and soul in heaven. And so at this time, again, the human body of Jesus and Mary are in heaven. Jesus, remember, had a human nature and a divine nature. Mary only has a human nature. We do not teach that she is by any means divine. Being the mother of God just acknowledges Jesus is God. She's the mother of, of not just a human part of God. You know, she's the mother of God. God in the flesh, Jesus, is divine and human. Two natures, one person. It's an ancient teaching of the church, which the church wrestled with way back when. When the natures of Christ were often separated, there were heresy. So the church, a proper understanding of Mary and her role is a proper understanding of who Jesus is. If we don't understand Mary to be the mother of God, then we divide the natures of Christ. And we can't do that because he's one person with two natures. So in this doctrine, we see, again, the collaboration of the role of man and woman, Christ and Mary, or Christ and his church, in the work of salvation, which continues to this day in and through us, the church, who are all called to imitate Mary in receiving Christ and giving Christ. Again, it's the wedding feast of the Lamb. So all the way from the fall to the redemption, there's this sharing in the fruit of, re of redemption in heaven. Okay, so without the assumption to balance the ascension, the man Jesus alone without the woman Mary would be enjoying the fullness of salvation with God. And we would only then be telling part of the story. Okay, so the assumption is the ultimate proof of the equality again of man and woman's role in the saving work of God. God willed it. He didn't have to use Mary. He doesn't have to use us, but he wills to do so. It's part of God's humility. And for us to deny that is to basically, again, not acknowledge um, salvation history and how God decided to do it. So it shows us, you know, the sacredness and the eternal destiny of our human bodies, including the woman's body, you know, which today, obviously, right, pornography desecrates the woman's body. The, the sex trade desecrates the woman's body. So often there is uh, an attack on the woman. And we read that in Revelations chapter 12. Read Revelations 12, how the, the, the serpent, the, the dragon, attacked the woman. This is what we see from the beginning. Satan attacked Eve. And all throughout salvation history, unto this day even, we see attacks on the woman. Abortion is an attack on the woman. Basically convincing her that abortion is uh, health care. 
that it's woman's sexual liberation, but ultimately it's it's the rejection of the beauty, the the the. The, the glory of being woman, which is the ability to allow God to knit life together within you and to share that life with the world. Once a child is conceived, the choice has been made, and that child must be cared for, reverenced, and loved, and brought to the full development um, as, a, as an adult out into the world. And so again, contraception, another one. Women are encouraged to pump chemicals into their bodies so that men basically don't have to say no. So there's a lot of compromise in this, you know, oh, well, women can have more of a corporate life. But see, that's, again, taking the focus off the beauty of the woman. The corporate world shouldn't force women to reject fertility and treat their fertility as a disease. But women should embrace fertility as God made them. And, and men should defend these women and protect these women. This is what it would mean for men to be, again, Christ to women. And when women embrace their femininity and challenge men, it, it, it brings men into the fullness of their nature or the fullness of their stature as, as, as sons, and, sons of God, as, as, as soldiers for Christ, to love women, to lay down their lives for women. Right? This is my body given up for you, Jesus said. Well, every man should say that. Every man should say that to, to woman. This is my body given up for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And when women sense that sincerity of a man who gives himself in that way, she wants to enter into communion with him and relationship with him. And so, again, there's a real attack here on sexuality, on marriage, on family, and on, obviously, society. So as, as sex goes, as we understand our sexuality, so will go marriage. And as marriage goes, so will turn the family. And as the family goes, so will go our world. So the Satan isn't stupid. He's attacking Man and woman. He's attacking sexuality today. Look at the whole battle right now with understanding the nature and dignity of marriage, which basically this, this push to um, disregard sexual complementarity is a push to eliminate an, an integral part of what it means to be man and woman. And marriage cannot be unless there's a capacity between a man and a woman to become one. The body has to complement there has to be a spousal capacity, a ability to become one flesh. And so we must pray today through the intercession of Mary, again, for the, the defense of marriage and family, for the recovery of a true understanding, a reverent understanding of our sexuality, and for the courage and strength through God's grace to direct our sexual desires and passions to the glory of God, not to the glory of self, not to the misuse and abuse of sex, which is ultimately why there's abortion. Ultimately, why there is STDs. One in 14 girls have an STD. Why is that? Well, it's simply because of a misuse and abuse of God's plan for sexuality. So we give praise to God for raising up this beautiful, awesome, glorious gift of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I'd encourage you all today to ask the Blessed Mother, who is your mother in the order of grace, to help you to embrace your masculinity or your femininity and to ask her to pray with you. You know, I ask you to pray for me or you ask me to pray for you. It's no different than asking Mary to pray for us. Being in heaven, right? Mary's in heaven with the saints and angels. Just because someone's in heaven doesn't cut them off from the church. They're actually fully alive in heaven. They're a fully member of the church. So just because someone's in heaven doesn't mean we can't continue to ask them for prayer. See, again, the, the, the Catholic spiritual tradition teaches us that, 
You know, heaven and earth have been brought together in Christ, not divided. Christ isn't a ball hog in a sense of saying, hey, don't pray for them. I'm only allowed to help them. I mean, what, 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 a, what member of a family or what parent wouldn't be delighted to see their children helping their younger siblings? Well, in the same way, the saints in heaven are older brothers and sisters. God is delighted as a father to see us being helped by our older siblings in the faith our brothers and sisters whom we call the saints. And again, this would be a whole other teaching on the doctrine of the communion of saints. So Mary is the queen of all saints. She's been assumed into heaven, body and soul, because of her yes, which through her body gave life in the flesh to the Son of the Most High God. So again, Marian doctrine and devotion, when properly understood in practice, never leads a believer away from the mystery of Christ, but rather leads them more deeply into the mystery of Christ in His Church. So, Most Holy Virgin Mary, we ask your prayers for us, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Medjugorje, all, Our Lady of Guadalupe, all of the saints and angels pray for us. And may God bless us. Amen.